Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you from a couple of different places on the internet. We're coming to you on YouTube. We're coming to you on Crowdcast. We are coming to you later on iTunes, Android, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hopefully you're listening to us. We appreciate it. And folks, we have a great show for you tonight. Very excited about the guests that we have on the show that we'll bring in in a little bit. Um, Matthew Rosenberg, he is Great guy, great writer, who we love having on the show. I haven't chatted with him for a while, so we'll be talking about some of his upcoming and current projects. But first, we got a little business to do, folks, because it is that time of the month when we give thanks for the pilgrims, but also (laughs) give thanks for... Everybody who supports us over at Patreon.com. There we go. Comic Book Club. There's a level of our Patreon where we say thank you live on the show, and we truly do yeah. mean it. So we're going to read out a bunch of names now. These are all people it's your It's your thanks-taking and our thanksgiving. So mm, happy thanks-taking. Yes. And uh, there's also the level where we send you a syphilis blanket, but we don't what? thank those people live on the show because they're not, not very long for this. Let's come on with the list It's already. a Thanksgiving thing. We're coming up. The holiday. The it's controversial. It's Adam a controversial Marks. holiday now. Aaron C. Hollis. Adam Marks. Adriel Moreland. Elena Fontenot. Amanda Harris. Mamie Gonzalez. Andrew Edge. Andrew Primo. Andrew Tillman. Beercat PhD. Benjamin Brown. Carly W. Christina Jaramillo. Chris Terzilizzi. Can I just stop for a second? What's very funny is that Pete asked me, Pete asked me, he was like, if I get Christina Jaramillo, how do I pronounce that? I was like, Christina Jaramillo, I think. And Pete was like, no problem. Got it. And then he got the name after that. Take it from the top. (laughs) No, we don't do that. No reason. Curtis LaRock. Demand Ryan. You you skipped Clemens Luer. No, no. We said that. Clemens Luer. You're up to. There you go. (laughs) 
You're right, Daniel Fuentes. You, you, Daniel Pete the Poodle Cabral, Daniel Warden, Danny Heck, Debbie Gloom, Dennis Scott, Derek Mainhart, Dylan LJ, Eduardo Martinez, Emmett Quish, Arian Dorian, Jeffrey Risher, <laughs> Gerard Villiers, Isaac Carter, James Connolly, James Kurtz, Jason Donahue, John George, Jonathan Jong. Jonathan McCool. Joshua Gibson. Joshua W. Broxon. Catherine Annenson. Casey Newhaven. Kevin Grinds. Kevin Kleinrock. Kieran Broderick. Cody Thomas. Kyle. Lee Brown. <laughs> Luana Thomas. Lucas Sink. <laughs> Mark Carrillo. Mark Zeller. Matt Tice. Megan Thigpen. Mitchell McDonald. Michael Tillman. Nathaniel Diaz. Nelson Martinez. Nick Grayson. Off-White Savior. Official CBC chef, Brett Macris. Omnia Soul Art. Oren Dix. Pablo Martinez. Pedro A. Rangel. Perry Telefero. Pete's Pretty Kitty. Ooh, primetime, Polly G. Rev Mikey. Sarah Schottmuller. Sarah Schaefer. Scott Carpenter. Scott England. Stanley. Steve Cook. Tabella Rush. Uh, Taylor Bar- Bryan. The Big Flood. The Twelve Banch. Thomas Glenn. Victor Perez. Will Buchanan. And Zika's Viral Comics rounded and out. Thank you all so much for your support of the show, for real. And thank you, everybody who supports and watches the show and listens to the show. We really, really appreciate it. If you would like to support the show and get some cool bonuses as well, patreon.com slash comic book club. Now, next order of business as we now go we down power down from we power down for like 10, 15 minutes after that, right? Just really cool out for a little bit. Yeah, Woo, that was a lot. That was a lot. So one other thing that we've been throwing out to all of you is to challenge us. In the I iTunes comments. Use it with a the of... challenge. Just, you know, things you would like to hear to talk about. That's all. Don't challenge. No, I take it challenge. as a challenge. When everybody, no. anybody asks me a question, I'm like, whoa, what do you want? What do you want out of me, buddy? No. Exactly. Like, we we read comics and talk about comics as sort of our main thing here. And to be challenged to read another comic, it's like a NASCAR driver being like, hey, run to the store. Like, it's insane. It's <laughs> yeah. such a challenge. So we've been asking people to leave in the iTunes comics, uh, comments, excuse me, comic books that you would like us to read and review. And we got uh, one from Conage the previous week. We read off the comment of that. I uh, asked us to read Alan Moore's Swamp Thing Volume 1 and review it. So we are going to do that. But just to make the proper room for it, we are going to Whoa. review it in our stack podcast that will roll out yes. this week. Wednesday That's quite a, t- a tease. You know, people were thinking mm-hmm. it would be at the top of the show like last time, but you were like, no, no we're not no, going no. to spend the next half hour while our guest waits oh, talking about Alan yeah, Moore's Swamp got, Thing. We Instead, we're going to, yes, it's, it's, it's the polite thing to do. Instead, we're going to get right to it and talk about this week's drink. Instead yes, of welcoming exactly. our guest in. The guest so, <laughs> third item of business our official CBC chef, Brett Macris, has been curating drinks. From the Gotham City cocktail book. And this week is the flip of the coin, a drink that involves a raw egg. So I, I can see yes. the hair growing on your chest already, Justin. You want to talk about I this one? I feel strong. 
I feel like I want to go like break something or like I don't know. Um, Order a McRib. Yep, that's what I mean. I want to break my insides by eating a McRib. Uh, we this cocktail is uh, a little bit of uh, your bourbon or, or whiskey, um, mm-hmm. a little Cointreau, lemon juice, raw egg, okay. shake it up. I'm sorry, fortification. I'm sorry, you put a raw egg in there. Cracked it in, shook it up so it's a nice thick like Rocky soup. sauce. It's like oh. a gazpacho. Wow. Yeah, if Rocky was training for a, a podcast, that's what this is. Well, mostly what it does is, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're the actual bartender here, Justin, but mostly it makes it fluffy and it makes it kind of smooth uh, in the yeah. drink most of the time. It's not It's not like you're drinking scrambled eggs. Or it seems like, like you would be, yeah. No, but this is how Put I'm making scrambled eggs from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> this is my new scrambled egg recipe. Oh, nice. No, it really does. It makes it very smooth. Your kids um, are going to be wasted. It's, yeah, I'm making eggs. Daddy's making eggs. It's not, <laughs> not thick again. like a nog. It's not like a nog. It's okay, like actually sure. light and fluffy. A lot of bartending, a lot of bartenders use use eggs, and it's a classic bartending yeah. tool. Interesting. Yeah. Most drinks actually are just raw eggs. In That's a glass. not true. That's Most not of the time, you go to a no. bar and you're like, let me get a beer, and it's just a glass of raw eggs. No, no. Yeah, every time you go to the bar, you drink a vodka soda with an egg in it. <laughs> I don't think I could do that. All right. Enough dilly-dallying. Why don't we bring in our guest here? He is the writer of the new book, What's the Furthest Place from Here, which is debuting on great title from Image Comics. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's a great book as well. Uh, And uh, I'm excited to chat with him about it. He's also doing a bunch of other things, including Task Force Z, The Joker, A Puzzle Box, and many, many other books. Matthew, you here? I am here. I think right. yes, you I are. Unfortunately, I, we couldn't figure out how to get you on screen, even though you're dressed gorgeously. This I, I'm wearing a tuxedo. Oh, uh, wow. I feel like, uh, yes, when you say we couldn't figure out how to get you on screen, that's very kind of you. <laughs> I'm on my third device trying to figure out how to work any of them. Yeah, uh, this one's a record player, right? You're this right one now? is an Atari 2600. <laughs> oh, man, it should have worked. It should have yeah. worked. I put in Dig Dug. I put in Pac-Man. None of it's working. It's got burger time. You got to put in burger time. Uh, Yeah. Don't have burger time. Uh, Sorry Um, to hear that. So, yeah, let's talk about Swamp Thing. Uh, (laughs) Let's go. Uh, No, so what's the furthest place from here? Great book. Very creative book. You and Tyler Boss are working together again, which is very cool to see. Now, this is a mashup of a couple of different genres at the same time, it feels like. But uh, I do want to take it even a step back because it seems like very openly this book is very influenced by music and your love of music and your interest in music. So did it start with that or did it start with the post-apocalyptic setting for the story or some other place? Sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, what it started with was actually the thing you touched on, which is the idea that it's a mashup of a bunch of stuff because um, me and Tyler did a book called Four Kids Walk No Bank that um, we really liked making. And then I thought my face was about to appear on screen, but it's just... Me too, actually. I I was like, all right, he better be in a tuxedo. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just sitting here naked and it's just awkward. Um, Busted! (laughs) Yeah. The, no, so we did a book called Forkets Walking No Bank, and, and people seem to like that one okay, and we have a lot of fun doing it, and so we immediately wanted to make another book, and we started working on another book, and we got a, a little bit into it. I was, I was writing the first issue, and Tyler was designing characters, 
and I realized we were just making the same book again. And but we put, <laughs> we put an alien in it, and we thought that was clever. And it turns out that that's not clever. It sucks. It didn't fool. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we stopped, and we wanted to do something that would feel different. And so we sort of took a, took a month to like come up with stuff. And basically, like I realized that one of the things we really liked about Four Kids Walking on Bank was that it's a mashup of all these sort of genres we love and all these sort of different elements that we like, but. I was like, let's take all the other stuff we love that we didn't get to do in that book and do it in this book. So instead of it being a a small town, real world, tight crime drama heist story, this is like a a big cast and an expansive post-apocalyptic fantasy sci-fi epic with horror and elements. So that's where it started. And then once we were in the post-apocalypse, I was uh, sort of looking for just those those ideas of the things that that would stick around after the world ended and you know in the book we have all these different um gangs of kids who are sort of trying to rebuild society and and stuff and i i really love the idea that there's kids who are just obsessed with records and record stores and like it has no gain for them in rebuilding the world it doesn't help them eat or not get scurvy but it it's just like what they want to do and so that was where the idea came from I, it does uh, warm my heart to know that even the post-apocalyptic, there's still kids hanging out at record stores. You know what I mean? That's just nice. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it was either going to be a record store or a comic book store, and comic book store felt like two on the nose. Two, to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we went with record store. You could have yeah. also done a blockbuster, just to throw that out there. Uh, or an arc- arcade. Tyler was the met as was, Tyler's a uh, he's a bit younger than me, uh, but he's like a child genius prodigy. Uh, when he was like 20 years old, he was the manager of his local blockbuster. Wow. wow. <laughs> so he's like, he's always like, I, I managed a blockbuster. And everyone's like, you're too young to have done that. But he's not. He's a genius. <laughs> uh, I feel, in the back matter of this issue, you talk a lot about like music and comics being like a self-identifier. Mm-hmm. Um, when you like when you're young, you're like, this is me. This is who I am. And I love that. But it made me think, is that a thing now? Like, uh, I feel like this book does a great job of explaining that because do people do that anymore? Yeah, I I don't know. You know, I I sort of, I struck across that. I mean, obviously, like, we're doing a sort of love letter to, like, vinyl and and record collecting. And, like, because I see a lot of parallels between that stuff and comics. And, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I used to work in a a shitty record store in the village. And, oh, can I curse? I just did. Yes. Please swear up a story. No. Uh, Only if you're fully nude. Then oh my well, good, good news guys um yeah so I, used to, I used to work in a terrible record store and i used to work in a comic shop and so i always see the connection but i i do i did think about that recently of like well kids now identify music from from itunes and i mean from spotify and from streaming and from youtube and places and the idea of the whole album uh is dying and so the idea of being locked into like that is an identity I think is sort of dying in, in a lot of ways. Hmm. So you were mentioning the genres before, and we haven't really necessarily introduced exactly what the book is, but as it continues to unfold, you sort of find out it's this mix, I would say between the warriors, the lost boys a little bit. There's a post-apocalyptic element, obviously very strongly there as well. Um, what were you looking to for influences when you were putting this together? Yeah. I mean, we were sort of grabbing at everything we could. Um, I know the like sort of smart 
comic creator answer is to be like, oh, you know, these ideas just come to me, but I'm not that comic creator. So <laughs> I'm always just like, yeah, I just steal from all the stuff I like. So like all, all the stuff you mentioned, like, you know, I really, I have a real love of like sort of 80s uh, post-apocalyptic especially like the sort of like punk exploitation stuff like the warriors but also like mm -hmm. uh you know like repo man and and suburbia and stuff like that where it, it just yeah. even stuff like death wish sort of touches on that where it's just like um you know the world is going to end and it's going to be guys with mohawks who come to your house and slit your throat like i really <laughs> love that it. as a genre yeah, yeah. I, I i love that but uh you know i think we we sort of took a long time to sort of figure out exactly what we were doing, but we were we were kind of like you know it's it's Lord of the Rings meets Lord of the Flies, but it's also like John Hughes meets John Carpenter, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's sort of the, yeah. the quick way to say it. I love um, that. Yeah. yeah, it's it's but it is you know like they're they're fully just like comedy elements and fully you know we're just like yeah yeah I love the uh, Garfield moment that was. Uh... <laughs> Really beautiful. Yeah. We, who doesn't love a Garfield? <laughs> yes. uh, that's the main word I think of when I think of Garfield is beautiful. Yeah. yeah it's, it Every was Sunday hilarious. morning, I'd it be was, like, was another a very funny... beautiful Garfield strip. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk about, uh, maybe this is a question for Tyler, but I have to imagine you guys talk about it a little bit. Uh, the, just the layout of the book and the structure of the book in terms of laying out these different chapters when the titles come in, um, all of yeah. that. Yeah, so I mean, that's sort of two things, and uh, I I tend to write very detailed scripts, and like I see uh, I see a page a certain way, and and I'm sort of at my most indulgent with Tyler when I do that. He likes that, and so I sort of challenge him and push it. But it's always this funny thing because I always am like, this is a four panel page, but it's really complicated, and then he turns it in and it's a twelve panel page and like twice as complicated, and then I have to figure <laughs> out how to like rewrite it. And we sort of always just mess with each other about it. But, um, you know, I, I think we wanted, uh, for Kids Walking to a Bank, we did sort of a lot of visual jokes. And, and this was a book where we didn't feel like we wanted to do that quite as much. Like jokes in the layout and jokes in the structure of a page. This is a little more straightforward in, in the design. But we also do this thing um, that you sort of alluded to, the, the title cards. There, there are chapter breaks in the book, which are, are sort of scene breaks. And, and we did that for a bunch of reasons um uh, you know some of it is really nerdy and and maybe too in the weeds but I, I think one of the things we really wanted to do was like we knew that the the first three issues of the book are very long mm -hmm. they come in over 100 pages for those three issues um wow. and so yeah i think it's like 110 pages total for the first three issues so wow. like we knew we were giving people a good chunk of reading for their money and so we were like we don't want people to feel we want them to catch their breath and sort of have stopping points and have these moments that are, that feel like we're not. Yeah. It has a nice it. pace to it. Yeah. I I'm hoping, you know, I, I've already had someone be like, it's real stupid. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> really? <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, that's all right. It's comics. Everything's real stupid to someone. Who oh, <laughs> was it? Todd McFarlane? Was it was it Todd it was McFarlane? Todd was like, this is real stupid. Wow. And I was like, thanks Todd. Um, <laughs> thanks for <laughs> I feel like it unfolds. Everything sort of you start so tiny, and it really unfolds, opening up, and then you like when you see the other uh, gang of kids wearing the mask. Truly yeah. terrifying moment in the comic. Um, uh, is that going to continue into the next? I mean, you, your issues are so large. Yeah, are we? Is it continuing to unfold in that way, or are we going to deal with what's laid out in this first issue? Yeah, like the, those things. 
basically we had this idea of just like concentric circles going outwards forever. So like when the book starts, you start in a room and then you leave that room and it seems normal enough. I mean, it's weird, but it's normal enough. And you leave that and you're in a record store and then you're in the neighborhood. And then as the book unfolds, you're learning more because we wanted people to sort of, I mean, it goes with a lot of what we were trying to do. We also weren't trying to be very expository and explain to people there's a version of the book where we literally lay out what happened and why the world is the way it is. Mm -hmm. And we just were like, let's not, let's let the audience discover the world as it goes, as the, as the kid, as the cast does. And so yeah. we really wanted to take the time to do that of like, be like, let's start you in a room. You'll understand what a room is. Then you're in a record <laughs> store. You'll understand what that is. <laughs> and then it just gets weirder and weirder. And by, you know, by issue four, it's a very strange, weird world, but they're very much outside their comfort zone. And, and I think that couples back to the idea of the title cards is that we wanted to like, um, I mean, I personally, as a writer, I kind of don't like it when you end a scene and then you start the scene with the next, same characters again. I find that annoying. I don't know why. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But like, it just feels like there should be more going on and you should jump around more. Um, it, it, I, I don't know why I have that hang up, but I do. And so I wanted to do the title cards because when we start the book, we're in one room and we can't jump to other people because it's everyone in the same room in the same building. And so we did the title cards so there would be that pause and you get the sense that time is passing in a, in a more concrete way than just a page turn. I think that's the right uh, right idea because imagine like Indiana Jones like grabs his hat from under the door and then it cuts to him and like me again, still <laughs> yeah. leaving this uh, place, uh, just trying to get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> I don't... I don't... I don't know why. I mean, I'm, it's such a weird hangup for me to have, but I do have it. I always try and find something to like cut away to, which in a 20 page comic is really hard to do sometimes. Yeah. How this is just to follow this down for a second, then we'll get back to the book. How do you deal with it when you're doing a solo book? It's really hard with a solo book. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I like, I like doing solo books more than I like doing team books, but uh sometimes there's just uh transitions you don't love in them i i think the thing i try to do is uh it, it's actually it, it makes some of my stories feel a little more old-timey I, I feel like you watch like old like 1940s 1950s movies and they'll do like the establishing shot of the building and then the office door and then it presses in and someone's sitting in their office on the phone and then someone yeah. comes in and is like i need to talk to you and i end up doing that a lot so that we're not just jumping from scene <laughs> to scene so like we can do real like this is a character having breakfast and then someone comes in and talks to him and that's how i introduce it so instead of following you know red hood from one room to another you jump to the next room and find batman eating his eggs in a liquid drink <laughs> yes that's how batman you, gets ready that's the true I'm tragedy of batman i'm sure it is. uh but I, I think that I love that because I feel like then it becomes a pacing choice uh, and it feels like you're telling a story. When if, in those 1940s and 50s movies, we're like, well, we have to show the outside of the building so people know where they are. Yeah. And how are we going to know if they're in an office if you don't show the office door? And then we got to yeah. make sure that we show the couch that they're sitting on because otherwise they think they're hovering in air. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very like, yeah, it's storytelling in the 1940s for people who were used to the theater or radio shows where like they don't if it moves that if it moves fast enough from scene to scene it's awkward and disconcerting i think we've moved past that in comics but for some reason i have not i don't know why <laughs> <laughs> now talking well, about the characters in the book a little bit it seems like towards the end or at least for most of the book we seem to be following this character sid or at least mm -hmm. honing in on her 
is she the main character or do you look at it as more of an ensemble book? It is. She's the main character in the first issue. And then, I mean, this is another thing. We're really trying to do a lot of stuff that's real weird. And so (laughs) who the main character is, it shifts throughout the book. Um, It definitely starts with Sid and you meet some of the other people, Alabama, who is the leader of the sort of gang that Sid is a member of and Proof Rock, who is her closest friend and um, Oberon, who's sort of their, their badass like soldier guy. And, you know, they have all these different, different people and they're all going to come into focus, but we really wanted to establish Sid because it's Sid's worldview that sort of sets the tone of the story. Sid is, is this sort of idealistic dreamer in the post-apocalypse who believes that there's a better world out there when everyone else no longer does. And so we sort of wanted to establish the idea that Sid is, Sid is optimism. And then by the end of the first issue, you're going to find out that uh, optimism is in trouble. Well, I I got to say all the characters. Oh, you go Pete, you go Pete. I was just going to say, I got to say like, creatively as somebody who you know reads a, a lot of comic books i was really impressed by just kind of like the way you're telling this story uh with all the different panels and the close-ups on stuff and the and the different kind of like chapter breaks it was just such a kind of like refreshing and maybe artistic way to read a comic i was just like uh I kind of went back and read it again because I was like, oh, this felt so nice. Why was this so different? And I just think that like the attention to like how you're telling the story and how things are flowing is just really impressive. Thank you. I think that's a really, really kind way of saying that me and Tyler are really pretentious, but I'm going to take it (laughs) and I like it. And so thank you. All right. Yeah, that was Uh, not my thought. The the sort of maybe seek. I was just going to say, yeah, I, I appreciate that. We do to put a lot of thought into sort of the aesthetics and the tone and the pacing in a way that like a 20 page comic is really very difficult to do sometimes. Yeah. Great. Justin, take it away. I, I feel like this, the secret premise of the book is that um, adults have all died or maybe it's the less <laughs> not so secret premise of the book. Um, so it's all yeah. about, so we were, all the characters are, are kids. Um, yes. and, and I feel like you really captured like these kids fuck up a lot. Um, in this book and it's it's fun to see how did you get yourself in that mindset um to really rewriting all kids in this situation yeah i the you know i think in some ways i'm i'm an adult who fucks up a lot so it's pretty easy for me to get in there but i you know i also i think there's something um for me, I think, it, and it feels weird to like be like, well, it's sort of autobiographical because obviously it's not. But I, I think a lot of what I drew from in this was like growing up in New York City. Um, you know, my 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 parents were very busy. Most of my friends' parents were very busy. We we're sort of of an era of latchkey kids when when like you could just run around, but it but it predates cell phones so like you were just gone you would just go out and you'd meet some friends and you'd wander the streets until you meet some more friends and like you know sometimes that means you were just going to someone's house and playing video games and sometimes someone would be like hey let's sneak into the roof of a building and we'd be like okay and like it's that sort of level of like what is the adventure we're up for today and and like what is the group adventure and that that's sort of what i really wanted to capture was just this idea of like a, a group of kids is like it can be a very fun, sweet, loving ball of energy, or it can be a 
a ball of knives that's yeah. <laughs> looking for fights. Yeah. And, and you're going to sort of run into both of those and, and watch as they sort of turn on each other and become each other and, and whatnot. And so that's sort of how I tapped into that and what I'm hoping to sort of convey. Uh, that's awesome. I feel like just to throw out two uh, comparisons for people who haven't read the book yet. It reminded me a bit of like a cross between Deadly Class and Black Hole. The, oh, wow. uh, the yeah. dread of black hole, uh, like like life, I'm gonna die. Everything's scary, <laughs> and just the like kids being able to do whatever they want of deadly class. Yeah, I I think that that's super flattering. Those are both books that me and Tyler really love and um, are influenced by. And I think I think for sure, like Black Hole was definitely for me one of those comics I read at a point in my life where I was like, oh yeah, this really captures a certain really depressing, disgusting, scary <laughs> time in your life in a really good way. Um, Charles Burns is very good at that. So uh, I, I appreciate that. Uh, now, I did want to ask you about some of your DC work, kicking it off with Task Force Z, which is wild. Just a yeah. great, yeah. crazy concept. Um, was this something that was pitched to you? Did you pitch it? Where did that start? So... No, it was it was sort of pitched to me. Um, basically, I I was I've been doing stuff in the bad office a little bit, and was just I, I just sort of come over from Marvel, and and they were looking for things for me to do. And um, Paul Kaminsky, who's who's the editor on the book and is is great, is like one of the great collaborative editors. He's like he, you know it's he's one of those people who will call you and you get on the phone and you just like sort of spitball dumb ideas together until they're not dumb anymore. And uh, it, he called and, and he was like, yes, yeah, so I have this idea. Um, it's like, you know, uh, the villains are all dead and it's sort of a walking dead book, but it's like a team book. And I was like, what? And he was like, it's like they're zombies. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And like, I sort of like, I, I, I took a while to sort of be like, yeah, this is, I don't get this idea. It doesn't make sense. Like, how do they, how do you control them? What's the motivation? Like, what is the point of having a zombified Bane if he's just going to bite people? Like, it doesn't work for me. Um, and he was like, well, what would you do to fix it? And I'm like, well, this is how I would do it and this and that. And, and like, he got, we got off the phone, he called me back later and he was like, I really like all your ideas. Like, what do you want to do next? And I was like, no, no, I don't want to do this book. I was just saying what I would yeah. do. I was and, helping you. Yeah, I was doing you a favor. And then he, he called back and he was like, well, what, what would it take to make you want to do the book? And I was like, Ooh. you'd have to have like some real good characters with meat on the bones. You'd have to have like, and he was like, like who? And I was like, like Red Hood. And he was like, okay, you got Red Hood. And I was like, wow. oh. <laughs> and then I was like, it needs more than that. Like I need like Bane and people that matter. And he was like, okay, you got Bane. And I was like, oh, God damn it. And yeah, then should have asked for money first. Ah, yeah. 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 <laughs> what I'm going to need is money. The, uh, <laughs> you they, got I money. Mean, they do pay me to do the book, just so we're oh, clear. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's new, I guess. It's new. Yeah. It's a nice yeah. development. Um, no, but it, it became this thing that like was sort of in my head all the time of like, how do I make this like as fun as it should be and how and as weird and as as wacky and and feel as different as it could and i think that was also in paul's head so we sort of just kept going back and forth and it became this thing that we were like texting each other every day to be like what if this what if this like what if they oh, were wow. hooked up to this like serum so they were kind of more alive sometimes but it faded and they go back to being zombies and then they die and what if they're like you know, there's a big like sort of drug addiction metaphor in there and a sort of dependency metaphor. And and it's sort of all that sort of spiraled out of there. 
but it started as definitely Paul's idea of just like zombies. And I was like, okay. So, <laughs> and the other one that you're working on right now is the Joker presents a puzzle box, which I believe you said in an interview is the hardest book either you're currently doing <laughs> or have it's to the do... hardest book I've ever done. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Uh, the assignment was just uh, Katie Kubert, uh, my editor called me and she was like, you know, we want to do a Joker book. That's like an anthology book. And I was like, okay, that sounds super fun. I'm super into that. I love the Joker. Let's go. And then every day we sort of me or her added another parameter, which made it more difficult to the point that I remember she called me once and she's like, what if it's 14 short stories that are all mysteries self-contained, but they form one big mystery. And I was like, I was like, you're Voltroning mysteries into a big mystery. <laughs> and I was like, okay, we'll try and do that. And then, it, and then after I was like, okay, we'll try and do that. And she's like, it would also be great if you could have it so that the audience thinks they figured out what the mystery is, but that's not the mystery. So it works Ooh. on two levels that there's a secret mystery and there's a real mystery. And I was like, this is a nightmare, but actually it's been really fun and really crazy, but it is, you know, 14 different artists or 13 different artists doing all these short stories with all the villains of Gotham. Wow. Um, and then, you know, they added this parameter to it. It was a digital first book. And then they were like, we want something bonus for the app, for the DC uh, Infinite app, DC Universe Infinite mm-hmm. app. So they were like, do another six page story that has a clue that doesn't need to be in the main book, but is actually relevant, doesn't feel like just nothing. And so like I'm writing 16 page chapters of this thing where like there's a relevant six page clue, but it's not necessary to understand the story. It's all very complicated. That does sound like a lot. Wow. Um, But it's fun. I, I, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, we sort of end up just doing like, yeah, it's, it's, Bane and and the penguin in a maze and they're racing to get to the center and like the penguin thinks he's smarter than Bane but actually Bane is much is much smarter than the penguin and so it's funny because the penguin is just like assumes that he's dumb because he's a brute and then the penguin gets you know and stuff like that where it's like Harley Quinn and in a in a lost in a cave system hallucinating because she's been gassed and it's a lot of fun just like weird nonsense of playing with like the best villains in comics and so I really like that and we have awesome artists working on it so it's kind of a dream book but also really really hard that's so cool uh do you at the current time do you have anything else that you're working on that you want to plug i do i'm also doing uh a book called dc versus vampires oh that's right oh wow yeah um which is really fun um first issue just came out uh it's me and otto schmidt who i did hawkeye freefall with and uh my buddy james tynan who's a um upcoming writer who i wanted to sort of get some work too because he needs it and uh, <laughs> help him out get his name out there yeah. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. well and now that they're paying money that must be really yeah it's nice for him he can yes. he can afford to pay his rent and stuff and um i'm also doing oh i'm doing uh, a bunch of detective comics i'm doing mm. a bunch of stuff in detective and s- starting with a an annual that me and mariko tamaki wrote um that uh the legendary david lapham drew which is like oh, wow. a high point of my life having That's david lapham draw a book that i wrote yeah that is yeah. so cool and just to loop it back to what's the furthest place from here given that it is extra sized 
is it still coming out monthly or is it coming out quarterly or how are you planning on releasing it, it? is it is monthly oh, it okay, is a great. monthly book uh yeah we we started a long time ago so we uh <laughs> basically we were going to launch at the beginning of the pandemic and mm -hmm. then uh when we when everything closed we were like well let's pause and figure out how to make this book feel bigger and more impressive and and whatever and so we kind of scrunched the first volume into just the first couple issues mm -hmm. and so that's why it's bigger um what it's going to feel like after six months uh, after six issues is a uh, is an interesting question but for now it is a uh yeah it's monthly book awesome Great. well it's fantastic congratulations yeah, congrats can't wait for people to read it and thank you for coming on i'm sorry we couldn't see your tuxedo or anything oh but we sorry. appreciate chatting as always no thank you guys for having me and, just uh, send us photos for us to post um yeah. in the tuxedo or nude whichever is true uh there you know i'll send both and you guys can pick which one is better and then i'll say great, a lot great, about great. you guys and uh <laughs> enjoy discussing swamp thing Oh, yeah. thanks. Yeah, absolutely. we will. Unless it's bad. I don't know. I'm going to try to read it before the next oh, podcast. Oh, you should have read it by now. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm doing it on the next podcast. It's fine. Oh, I'll I thought I thought you were doing it now. Oh. No, you're it? not Wait. doing something now? No, we're going to do it on the next podcast, oh, okay. I think. But, you know, if you want to you know, join us, we'd love to have you. The, my, favorite, my favorite thing about Alan Moore Swamp Thing, I know I'm running oh, long wait. here. No, but no, please. Oh, no, please. My favorite thing, besides the fact that it's one of the best comics ever written, is uh, when I was learning to write comics when i was like i want to write comics i bought alan moore's guide to writing comics mm -hmm. and he has a chapter on like um like text versus subtext or what a story's about and and he's like you know the the things that happen in your book aren't what your book is about and he's like for example an issue and i don't remember the number i feel like it's like 26 he's like an issue 26 of swamp thing he's like what it's about is this he's, he's like what happens is and he walks through it and he's like but what it is about is me as a man coming to terms with my feelings about menstruation and <laughs> it's so good and it's just like such pure alan moore oh. to just be like yeah this issue is just about menstruation but uh what you see happen is and that's like the one with the justice it. league in it yeah. somehow <laughs> yeah I, I, I remember i just like ran and got it off the shelf and was like oh yeah it is about <laughs> menstruation. wow that's great yeah i'm just gonna when we review it i'll assume it's every issue and i'll just start yeah. there. that really just blew my mind Awesome. It's great. Matthew, always great chatting. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Talk soon. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, take care. All right, Later, there man. we go. Uh, once again, the book is called What's the Furthest Place from Here? It's from Image Comics. It's absolutely fantastic. Coming out tomorrow, so definitely pick it up. Bruce Wayne may appear to be a wealthy playboy, but beneath this facade, his true identity is that of the Batman, waging an endless war against crime. Join the Cape Crusader and Batman The Audio Adventures, the first scripted audio original featuring Batman and his villainous rogues gallery in a world premiere story of life and death in Gotham City, debuting exclusively on HBO Max. Starring Jeffrey Wright as Batman and a who's who of incredible Saturday Night Live alums, this rollicking adventure told across 10 episodes is written and directed by Emmy winner Dennis McNicholas, includes devilishly delightful original music by Doug Bossy, and performances by Rosario Dawson, John Leguizamo, Chris Parnell, Melissa Villasenor, Seth Meyers, Jason Sudeikis, Brooke Shields, Fred Armisen, and many, many more. Go to hbomax.com slash Batman Audio Adventures for more and stream Batman the Audio Adventures only on HBO Max. And we are going to move on with our next Definitely section. Definitely pick it up. Which yes. is my favorite section because you all make it up. It's your audience question. 
And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question. Ask a question over here on Crowdcast or in the comments over on YouTube. I'll keep an eye on those. Or, other than reviewing a book, you can also ask us a question in the iTunes comments. And we'll answer it on the show in case yeah. you can't make the live show. Happy We're easy to, to find. Come now, find us. First, though, in terms of drinks, I think we talked about this. Pete is drinking a, I believe, a 1968 Chablis. Wow. Uh, no, I'm drinking Out some wine I found. Uh, you, you know that wine that somebody gives you that you're like, hmm, I feel like this is maybe a re-gift of mm-hmm. something they got and they don't know what it is. Yeah. Let me so. ask you, you said you found it. Where did you find it? Like, <laughs> well, it no, it was in with our wines, but like, uh, it was just one of those ones where it was like, oh, shit, we we have still have this. So I'm polishing it off. Oh, shit, we got to get rid of this right away. It's going yeah. bad. <laughs> it's going bad. <laughs> yes. As everybody yeah. knows, wine gets worse with time. Uh, Justin, have you switched over to a brewski? Is that what's going on? I'm having a rolling wow. rock. Nice. America's not. It's like Miller High Life if it's been in the sun for a couple weeks. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, take and it easy. I'm uh, I'm not feeling great this evening, so I'm drinking some water. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, Alex, God. finish it off. That water's going bad, just like yeah. this one. <laughs> Over yep. time. Or is it Arby's French Fry Vodka? I guess we'll never know. I Pete, don't. Mm. You gonna pick that up? We were talking about that on the Patreon Slack. I Arby's and vodka just makes my those two words together makes my stomach a little uneasy. But I'll give it a try. You know what I mean? Why you it's only weird. Once? I only want I only want Arby's after I've had a bunch of vodka. <laughs> wow. Yeah, cut out the middle, man. That's what I always say. All right, why don't we go to some questions here? This is from Omnia Soul. Do you have a favorite snack food when reading comics? Ooh. Ooh. Great question, and um, easy answer for me. It, it can be dangerous because you're going to get a little bit of salt and oil in your hands. Yeah, but, but I'm going can't. chips, and no. I'm going salt and vinegar no. chips no. all day, no. every day. You can't. No, Pete. You that's the answer. I'm answering for all three of us. No, I, I got to wear gloves. Well, can you I just wear mention what I prefer How is Cheetos. I like Cheetos, uh, and I like to get the uh, dust all over my uh, fingers, and then. Touch Pete's comic uh, books. Pete, what about you? Where are my chipping gloves? I need them because I'm going to read my comics. My chipping gloves is right. Um, yeah, it's, you know, that's the thing. I don't snack and read. I like to eat before and after, but not not during. It's a separate, <laughs> separate thing. Before and after. Interesting. Yeah. I had some homemade beef with broccoli over rice while I was reading Swamp Thing today. Does that count as a snack? It was my it lunch. Sure, sure does. Ooh. Sounds lovely. Home, homemade beef. Mm-hmm. Do you mean would you, you would you make like a little beef Wellington for yeah. It's like I always say: Why buy the beef when you have a cow at home? Wow, for free. Is that the expression? I yeah, think I that's know. the expression. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. And it's about sex, I think, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what you're you, talking about, right? Alan? The expression is "you fucking that cow." Wow, that's the expression. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's right. a very well known expression. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you grew up on Long Island, where yeah. that's hey, uh, you the wise that man cow? in town would shout that. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'd be like, "All right, mm. Josh." Uh, ooh, we got a question here for Ramsey Hassan <laughs> yeah. over on happening? YouTube. Says, really dug the Eternals. It was at its best when it strayed from the MCU formula. Do you guys think the MCU continuity and pop cultural gags can be detrimental to some stories? 
I think Eternals is a good example. We haven't talked about Eternals at all. We haven't. You watched it, Pete? Yeah. Wait, what? When did you see it? Last night. Oh. Because we asked you if you were going to see it so that we could all record a podcast together, and you said no. Uh, Yeah, I said not until I got back. And I saw it Monday night after I got back, you fucker. (laughs) Wow. Unnecessary. Um, Well, Pete, in a second, we'll give you a chance to really shout your opinion. But we already taped a podcast about it, Pete, so you're not allowed to. I want to know what what you guys thought. Sure. Should we start playing a 55 minute (laughs) podcast that Justin and I recorded without you because we didn't think you were going to watch it? I'm happy to edit in Pete's. I'll go back and edit Pete's opinion in at <laughs> when it, when <laughs> it feels good. appropriate. Great. Um, what I was going to say is I do think that the Marvel formula, um, does, it, we don't need a lot of jokes in this movie. And I fact, in fact, a lot of the scenes that were like, the characters joking around fell out of place. Um, this movie definitely was tonally pretty different. As the other person who uh, talked about Eternals on a podcast rather than tricking his friends, I'd agree with you, Justin. I think that the you don't you just don't need the jokes necessarily. Like they were the points that really took me out of the movie. I don't think you need something to be deathly serious, but not everybody needs to be a quip machine. It really flattens out all the characters in a way and makes them very similar. And certainly, like. Robert Downey Jr. set the tone, right? Like, it was the first movie. He was making the jokes. He was throwing them out. He was quipping a bit. People loved it. I understand wanting to copy that, but not everybody needs to be like that. You know, not everybody needs to be joshing back and forth. Like Josh, the wise man in town. You keep talking about you you Hey, you fucking that cow? He was always saying that. Pete, you've left us in suspense long enough. What's your take? All right, so Eternals is the worst app of what if yet. Is what I thought wow. about it. That's interesting. We were able to you able to you able to shit on two Marvel things at once. That's right. Um, what what do you mean? Uh, you when you when you watch it after the credits, it lets you know it's an episode of What If. Yep, not what? helping. Not still yeah. not helping. When you when you watch it after the credits, what do you? Even yeah, do? you because. Uh, uh, at the end of it, Jeffrey Richard comes in and, and uh, goes, you know, like, I don't think that's a good idea. Don't touch that sword or whatever he says there. Wait, what? The <laughs> end. The end oh, credits. You think that's Jeffrey Wright? Yes. Pete. Well, we should talk about this off camera because this is a big spoiler. Tell you what, I'm, I'm going to tell you because I want to see your reaction live on air. So yeah. if anybody hasn't seen Eternals, please tune out for the next two minutes about this. Pete, that was Mahershala Ali as Blade. Shut Blade. the fuck up! Are you serious? <laughs> yes, that's Blade. You just spent uh, the past five minutes making fun of that. That was the debut of Blade in the MCU. Wow. Vocal debut. Also, you confuse two black men, but I guess we probably should get into that. That's uh, well, uh, that's not uh, a couple. Let's shout out this. Let's shout out this uh, comment. The Eternals need to be two movies from Edward Doherty: a crowd pleaser first film, get Icarus in an Avengers film, then use the Eternals Eternals sequel to really mess with the people with the twist. Um, That's an interesting take. That would take a get rid of that overstuffed feeling we talked about. Yeah, I think one of the things that we talked about a little bit, and Pete, I don't know if you felt this way. We were going back and forth and talking about whether it should have been a Disney Plus series or not. I think ultimately we felt like 
No, because of the effects of the scale of it and everything that didn't necessarily make sense. But I do think we didn't really get to spend a lot of time with all of the characters because of the length of the movie and because there were 10 main characters in the movie. What do you feel about that, Pete? Yeah, I just, it was tough because, like, it was beautifully shot, but also it was hard to, I didn't, I didn't like any of them. You know what I mean? Like, it was, like, (laughs) I wanted to see Angelina Jolie just whoop ass. I thought that would be awesome. Like, great. She's an unbelievable warrior. Yes, please. Then, like, the Superman guy was, like, not cool ever. And I was like, great, go fly in the sun. I'm done with you anyway. Like, I, I, Selma Hayek, I wanted more of, and I didn't get any. So it was like, and, you know, uh, I just, uh, yeah, I, I, it was, I wanted it. It was like, it was a tough because I also walked in being like, hey, I, the Eternals is not my favorite thing in the comics. You know, I am, I love uh, the creativity of Jack Kirby and I love that, but like, I don't know. Sometimes they're just kind of whiny people who have all these powers and live forever. And it's like, I, I can't relate. So yeah, I just, <laughs> um, yeah, I wandered for a while. Uh, there had some great moments, but yeah, I don't know, man. This is, you. maybe you just answered this, but this is from Matthew Schofield over on YouTube. So did Pete like the Eternals or not given the blade info? Because you kind of framed it around the fact that you thought it was the Watcher. Now that you know that it's Blade, is it a better movie in your estimation? Well, it definitely makes the ending uh, a, a little bit more exciting for sure. That is that is great. I wish there was definitely like, you know, um, I wish I would have I would have known that because that was right mm-hmm. in you know down my alley. And I wasn't so would you say worst it. episode of What If, but best Blade movie? No, first off, the Blade Blade One and Two. Just oh, so worst. Okay, so just rank them real quick. Blade one, amazing. then Blade two, then Eternals. No, it goes Blade one, Eternals. then Blade two. Oh wow! Oh, okay. uh, oh. Blade three. <laughs> what you? What's <laughs> you? <laughs> Very confusing for the audio podcast later. Um, but... <laughs> well, it's, so just so you know, Pete, that that was the Blade movie. There, that's it. Did you like Mahershala as Blade in in this movie? Yeah, and Turtles. What did you think about his performance? Uh, that's was... the whole. That's all you were getting of him. Yeah, that's well, it. that's that's that doesn't no, but that's seem... how they're using him in the MCU going forward. He's going to be an off-screen bull. voice, be asking people if they want to do things. Yeah, he's going to be like, don't, I, "Don't do that." Oh, you should do that. Yeah, just off-screen, he's going to be like, "Do you really want to fuck that cow?" <laughs> Man, <laughs> classic Daywalker. <laughs> Great. I'm sure that answered your question. Um, anyway, is, we did a podcast on it, but I liked it. Um, yes. I, I, it I also, I think there were things that didn't work. There were things that did work, but go check it out in the Marvel Vision feed. We have a whole podcast there, and we'll add in Pete's comments later. Uh, this is from Stray Bullet over here on Crowdcast. I had to leave the Eternals early today, and I'm still annoyed about it, but I had a good reason. What movies have had you leave early because you either had to leave or the movie was just so bad that you left early. Um, uh, I there was this uh, crash movie where they like would go to accidents and start like fucking each other. Mm-hmm. I, I was not into that. I left. That movie. <laughs> not your style. Really? Not your style, yeah. Wow. 
You thought it was Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> I didn't know it was it eventually. Was. Don't don't spoil it for him. <laughs> yes, turns right. into it, into it in the second half. Turns into it, yeah, yeah. Um, I walked out of French Kiss, um, uh, a Billy Crystal movie, not oh. good. Um, hmm. Where he plays like a an NBA ref uh, or something. Hmm. Um, never never watched the end. And I definitely the time that Pete and I went to the movies um, for I think Pete's birthday, and then he went to see a different movie than the one I was seeing, like friends do. I uh, walked out of that movie and just spent the rest of the day wandering around the other movie I, theaters looking for my friend. <laughs> we gotta uh, we gotta talk about that because that that happened again to me, and I'm I'm old for two on trying to uh, get uh, get that to happen. I don't understand. I'm what, what, what do you you tried it again with what with your girlfriend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what are you doing? You tried to <laughs> you had to go on a date and then leave the date for go see another movie. If two people want to see two different movies, what's wrong with going to the theater together? Then afterwards, you know, like maybe talking about you know, hey, what did you, how was your movie? What was your movie like? Yeah. You know. A lot of times my wife and I will get a babysitter and then she'll go out to eat somewhere and I'll go out to eat somewhere else. It's really it's, it's great for us to really have that time away, mm-hmm. you know. Have some nice private time. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't think I've what, ever what? Le- left a movie ever. What? I don't know. Yeah. Not no, even to take I, a phone call? What, I walked out. Realize, I, oh, I was seeing a movie. Sure. To, like, go to the bathroom if I had to go really badly or something. But I've never. Uh, I would never do that. No, you in in your seat, right? No, that's why you get yeah. a soda. You know. Oh yeah, you have I'll... drink the soda and then you yeah. piss it in a little bit. If you yeah, you got to choose. You got to clear it up for the second piss. A lot that's of the fancier movie. movie theaters now, like Alamo Draft House, if you write on the card, "I have to pee," they just come and take care of it for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's really nice. You don't even have to get up. That's great. That's what they call it's the draft o- it's house. Off menu. It's, yeah. it's, that's why they call it the draft it's house. off menu. You got to really order it carefully. No, I don't know. I feel like by the point that you've paid for the movie, you've already plucked out a lot of money. I'm just going to watch it through to the end. Why? If you're not having fun, don't torture yourself. Walk out. I don't know, because maybe time. there's something good in the part where I'm missing or something that I think is interesting. Get your, get your or at least back. I get the full experience that way. I had to take a phone call in a movie I think I was also seeing oh with Pete God. where we sat together. Oh and Pete God. never – I feel like I ruined the movie for Pete, too, because he was so mad at me uh, for my experience. And that <laughs> movie was thing. Blade too, right? Yeah, which is, as you know, is Pete's either favorite or middle favorite or least favorite. <laughs> oh, it's up here. It's here. Yeah. It's it's here. It's at this level. <laughs> We're uh, going to have to loop back anyway. to that because I'm still not 100% sure. Yeah, I'm very happening. confused by that. Uh, yes. so, especially the Ryan Reynolds of it all should probably rank. Anyway, mm-hmm. so Pete, when is your day? Oh, yeah, where, um, does, where does X-Men Origins fit in there, Pete? That's not. That's that's also that's a horrible. Thing, I think. No, that's, I yeah. think it's the same guy. Pete, when is your dating book guidebook coming out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. Would not. That would be a bad idea. This is from. Oh, actually, we got one here on YouTube from Nelson Martinez. Currently, really enjoying Deadly Class, Deadly Cast podcast for the first time. Oh. Thanks right. for listening. Uh, what are other lesser-known shows compared to, like, Riverdale you guys have covered in the past that you really enjoyed? Great I, question. I would say maybe this was not the most fun podcast initially, but Cloak & Dagger is a show that I love yep. that I was happy that we were doing a podcast about. 
Yes. There was a lot of shouting on the podcast. That's all. That's we were we did we were doing cloak and jabber at the same time we were doing our Krypton podcast, and there was just a lot of shouting in our lives. <laughs> yes, because um, we were doing two shows that Pete was frustrated with for different reasons. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I like those. Uh, I like both of those shows and both of those podcasts. And Straight Bullet says, "I love that one, and for good reason, because he was our New Orleans correspondent That's right. yes. podcast, which is one of my favorite things we've done, where we'd." Uh, have him watch the episodes and get his notes on the episodes about what was accurate in New Orleans culture, where it was filmed. Very fun. Fun thing. To do. Uh, speaking yeah, of New Orleans, shouts, shouts to New Orleans. I'm flying down there on Thursday for the week. What? For like four days. Gonna go to Stray Bullets restaurant and get some of that oh. straight from the source food and drink. Oh. Cannot. I can't believe you're going twice. I haven't been once. I'm so upset. You got to get down there. Oh, I want to go. Uh, let's see. This is from Jay That's Citizen. Assuming, assuming the Joker's origin stories are kind of canon, he starts out as a bad Catskills comic, then a bad 80s club comic. How will he change as a character when his origin becomes him getting kicked off his improv team? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, great question. It's funny you say that. In the um, the Joker book that James Tynan is doing, he, there's a yeah. reference to that in the yeah. uh, the issue that came out today. And it's hilarious. Uh, so, very funny. Um, I feel like uh, if before we get to imp- full improv, which is sort of an aughts thing, I feel like he has to be like a mid nineties Dane Cook, um, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. pop culture referential comedian yeah. who's just like running around the stage, yeah. doing a lot of posing. Yeah, or he's doing. Well, no, this wasn't nineties. I was I was going to say he's doing like a surf reality comic or something like that. I don't know if you oh, guys yeah. remember that, like the downtown scene. He's uh he's doing gigs with Janine Garofalo and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. gleaming the cube, <laughs> gleaming the cube. Uh, cool. Kind of gleam a little cube, um, but I think the Joker as an improviser will be every improviser, so mm. it's fine. There's a lot of Jokers out there in New York City right now. This is from Jolene. <laughs> Do you think any comic movies will actually embrace the art style of Jack Kirby? We need more big hats. I would say. Thor Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok kind of did, right? Like, uh, if you're yes. talking specifically I... Jack Kirby stuff, Zack Snyder's Justice League and Eternals both sort of avoided it very specifically, but yeah. Thor Ragnarok hit it. I think so. It's just the color palette, I think, is that's the most Kirby-esque and sort of wild uh, looks and care and like clothing design for the, um, uh, the, the space scenes, all the the different planets that are on it's definitely that but also he like a lot of iconic artists it doesn't lend themselves to movies really you know like he has the world building but it's mostly absolutely insane 60s or 70s nonsense that doesn't quite work on screen the same way that it does in a comic book and that's why it ends up kind of being weird and dorky on screen so too bad. Yeah. This is from Edward Doherty. As a fan of comics and geek media in general, how do you feel about shows like Collider or Screen Junkies that seem to be the 24-hour cable news network of nerd culture constantly searching uh, for content and spoilers? Do they contribute positively to comics culture? Uh, oh. Pizza. Oh, uh, Pete, you go into the draft house? Going to the draft house. Good. Alex got it. Uh great stuff um I, I mean pour wine quietly it didn't work well 
No, and I, that was maybe the loudest wine pouring I've ever heard. <laughs> and it, it's like you held it up. It's louder than you on the mic in a lot of ways. Oh, my God. Um, what a sommelier uh, he is. <laughs> I think all that the 24-hour comic journalism news cycle is so spoiler-driven, and that is, like, my least favorite part of it. Um and I try to avoid, like, I was successfully avoided a lot, all that Eternals spoiler nonsense that was going around in the the post credit scenes. And um, I don't really mind spoilers, but the vibe of that is not how I want to uh, hear the things I like covered. I feel like it's 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 also tough because it's like, as a fan, you know, YouTube's f- fucks with me. It's like. Did you see all 83 Easter eggs in the new Eternals movie? I was like, well, fuck it. I bet I've seen, I saw 70 or whatever, you know, and it, then it just. 70? You, you know, it's like, whatever. You saw 70? Well, here's the thing. I was, I don't know if you're getting to this point necessarily, Pete, but I did look up some Easter egg lists before we tipping the podcast because I was like, okay, what did I miss? What were like some sure, under the sure. radar things? And all of the Easter egg lists, the first ones are like, did you notice that it was in the MCU? Yes, exactly. There are other heroes, and they mention them. And then the yeah. fifth one is like they mention uh, the snap and Thanos, which is something that happened in other movies. And I'm like, these aren't Easter eggs. This is just yeah, part Those of that right. happened in the movie. That, yes, yeah. these Those are things are people totally talked about. talked about. Yeah, those yes. are regular eggs, like in my drink <laughs> over here. Yeah. By the so... way, the bottom of this drink, the bottom is this drink thick. That's a thick last uh, gulp. It's not fluffy anymore. It's thick. So not to get too into it. I mean, just because you called out Collider and Screen Junkies, and I will say I know people that work at both of those places, and I think there's a lot of different content that comes out of those places. So it's not all one thing. And it really depends on how you are reporting about things and how you are talking about things. Not to go on too much of a rant, and I'll try to keep this as brief as possible, but I do remember very clearly back in the day when I moved on to MTV News, we were one of the first places that really started asking people about, like, what... (laughs) My wife's printing something right next to me right now. (laughs) Anyway. You know what's awesome? It's like you were really on... Mm -hmm. I was revving up there. And it was like... It was like your wife chimed in was like, well, let's take it down. You know what? You know what? I think you're about to go talk about something that nobody cares about. You might be important at your job. Let me print something. You're at home right now. You're at home. (laughs) And I run shit here. (laughs) It's weird. Your wife is printing stop talking on the document. Um, in any case, my point being that I remember back in the day at MTV News, we were one of the first places, or actually, I think the first place that really, like, asked about the next movie. Like, should I just stop talking? No, I like it. Okay. I like it. Uh, that asked about the next movie. Like, everybody else was actually doing the thing you're supposed to do, which is ask about the movie that you're watching. We were always asking about, like, the end credit sequence. We were asking about what's going to happen with the next sequel, you know, or something like that. And we would put those up pretty much as soon as the movie came out. Nobody else was doing that. We were putting it up. It was going great for us. And people started catching on to that and were like, oh, right. People, of course, would be interested in knowing what's going to happen in the next movie. So they started asking, and it really was this snowball effect of, I feel like it has gotten out of control, particularly when you talk about, Obviously, we're broadcasting to YouTube right now, but a lot of these YouTube channels, to Pete's point, where they're just powered by nonsense 
that people feed them all day and they just repeat it as truth. And there, you, you only need to look at like specifically things like Kathleen Kennedy out at star Wars. And there are channels that have 50 videos about this. That is based on nothing. They don't know how the movie industry works. They have no idea. They've never met Kathleen Kennedy. They have never talked to her. They've never talked to anybody who works on a movie. And yet they're getting hundreds of thousands of viewers on these videos. That is wrong. On the other side of things, my eventual point here is I do think there's been at least a little bit of a backlash there where you do need to do some of those things for search reasons because everybody, as soon as the credits roll, will be like, is there an after credit sequence? Do I need to sit through this? What's going on? Yeah. So they want to know. And they get out of the movie and they're like, what are the Easter eggs? I want to know what all 80 Easter eggs are. I only caught 70, for example. So they're going to search for those things and they want to know those things after the movie. And I think that's fine. That is the way of the world. That is okay. But the problem comes when people are just printing absolutely anything without any vetting or checking on their part. That's when it becomes an issue. And this is these. <laughs> did you say, wait, oh, real quick, sorry. Did you say you're mad at people printing anything without vetting it? <laughs> Is that what you mean? People using printers without vetting it with you? Listen, man, when you're telling a story, there's what's happening in the story, but then there's also what it means, you know? There's like what's behind the story. It's just something to think about. And in this case, what I'm talking about is menstrual blood. Go ahead, Pete. I just wanted to to say, uh, I was hoping to kind of get to it before that bit, but um, I was trying to cut that bit off. But I, I... I just wanted to, you know, kind of talk about your point real quick. Uh, what's your uh, Wi-Fi? I want to print something out. <laughs> yeah. I, can I just send you a resume real quick? Yeah. It's it's uh, the, the Wi-Fi network is you underscore gonna underscore fuck underscore that <laughs> underscore cow. And the password no is caps. Josh. The no pass- caps. No caps. The password no, is Josh. I knew All your oh, passwords okay. are Josh. That guy yeah, really affected you. Yeah. I just, I got to make it easy. Otherwise, I'll forget, you know? Are you, and real quick, are you team hot Josh or evil Josh? Just so we know. I just oh, boy. You're just crossing too many podcasts at this yeah. point, Pete. All right. I'll tell you what. I think we're going to wrap up our questions there and move uh, on to our next section. Was the, was, you know. That printer Man. didn't have. We could have got to a couple more questions. So apologies, everybody. <laughs> it's Marnie's fault for printing yes, stuff out. Absolutely. Um, all right. We're going to move on to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. Pete LePage, right. the star of trivia. And uh, so sorry, Pete. I just want to pre-apologize. My wife is going to be doing some weed whacking right here next to me <laughs> while you're doing trivia. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> but okay. She has to do it now. We, yeah, that's understandable. It. That was prime time for that uh yeah we should know so back in our live show days alex always had a printer running right underneath his chair so it was a lot of printing happening so it's a nice it's a nice throwback yeah Yeah. uh so this is the part we give back to you the lovely audience it's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars uh for midtown comics online because they've been nice enough to sponsor the show and uh it turns out we have a selected uh participant that's right uh, That's right, Omnia Soul. Hello, Hi. Hey. How's it going? welcome, welcome, welcome. Great to have you. Uh, today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend Dean Stockwell. Please listen to all three options before <laughs> making your selection. Okay, here we go. Question number one. Nope. What nope. '80s movie is becoming a comic written by Garth Ennis? Is it? A, Nighthawk, B, Hawk the Slayer, 
or C, Gilbert Gottfried. So it's either A, don't pick it, or is it B? Gonna have to go with B on this one. Hawk the Slayer is now gonna be a comic book. Get excited. Huge fan. Here we go. Question number two. The new Hawkeye, Kate Bishop number one, has a variant featuring whom? Is it A, Pizza Dog, B, Pizza the Hut, or is it C, Paul Reiser? So it's either A, if you would like $25, or you could pick B or C. A. A is correct. Pizza Dog. Ah, what a dog. Here we go. Pizza. Last one. Chip Zdarsky is going to be writing what DC comic starting late January 2021, 2022, sorry. Is it A, Batman the Night, B, I Hate Mondays, or is it C, Alan Garfield? So it's either (laughs) A, or you could be wrong. I guess I'll go... I gotta think about this, but I think I'll go with A this time. A is correct! Alright. $25,000. Congratulations. 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 And Kevin has guessed it here in the comments. The secret movie is Beverly Hills Cop 2? 2, that's right. Alright, there we go. Uh, That's the monster hit of 1987. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We will get you a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. And also, thank you for your support of the Patreon. We called you yes, earlier, absolutely. but thank you in person. We appreciate yeah. it. Always a pleasure. Later. All right, there we go. And just to mention, if you would like to do trivia, I will drop a link in the chat for that. Um, but in the meantime, new comic books are coming out. What are you guys looking forward to? Pete? Oh, I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. That'll be great. Uh, What's the furthest place from here, number one, and Sea of Stars, number 11? Mm. Uh, And I'm not not just saying that because Bergie was on the show. Uh, It's it's a really fantastic start to, I think, what's going to be a fantastic book, so I'm I'm very excited. Let me ask you, Pete. You call Matt um, uh, Rosie and um, mm-hmm. Bergie. Mm-hmm. Which do you right. think is the, the nickname that will stick? Only time will tell. You got to put stuff out there. We'll see what happens. I was kind of like, because on the comic, it says Boss and then Rosenberg. And I would just like, if he just said Boss and Bergie, that would be so much cooler. Boss and Bergie. Wow. Um, I want to give a shout, uh, shout out to uh, that comic as, as well. Uh, what's the furthest place from here? Great read. Um, yes. I am just saying that. Uh but, oh, uh, dude! No, nah, I'm just man. kidding. Just kidding. Of course, I I really enjoyed the book. I talked about it a lot. The comparisons I made were legit. Um, and then I'm also looking forward to regarding the matter of Oswald's body. Yeah, a new book uh, from Boom Studios, uh, Boom. number one, um, uh, written by Chris Cantwell. Very cool uh, sort of team formation uh, first issue. Um, really well, well told story. Nice, great art, and the characters are super interesting. So definitely worth a pickup. And I'm looking forward to six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton number ah, six is coming out from Image Comics. I love this book so much. If yeah. you haven't read it, it's about a bunch of different sidekicks from a 
asshole Chuck Norris type throughout his history who tried to solve his murder. This is the final issue of the first arc. It sounds like there's going to be more down the road, potentially, because they label this as volume one. If you haven't picked it up, definitely go back and pick it up. They are also collecting it in one volume, which should be out soon. But super, super fun book. All of those books. Yes, Justin, what were great, you saying? Great jokes. One of the funniest comics, legitimately funniest comics that I've read in a long time. Yes, Definitely. 100% agree. All of those titles are going to be reviewed in our Stack podcast, which comes out Wednesday 9 a.m. in the Comic Book Club feed. Also, also the bonus. In its dedicated Stack feed. And as Pete teased, we will also have a bonus there, as requested by you, the audience. We're going to be talking about the first volume of Alan Moore's Swamp Thing which in this week's Stack podcast. We yes. should have had Matthew Rosenberg for because it sounded like he had tons of great things to say about it. Well, we'll see if we have great things to say about it. I don't know could happen and that is it for this week's show a couple of people we want to thank we want to thank matthew rosenberg for coming on once again check out what's the furthest place from here out for Please image do. comics next week on the show we're going to have the legendary dave thomas is going to be Ooh. here not the guy from wendy's uh, but the guy from sctv he wrote a new book called the many lives of jimmy layton that we'll be chatting about, so that should be very exciting. We also have a bunch of other podcasts, some of which we've mentioned. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast, is a new episode about Eternals, so check that out. Why the Cast Man, Why the, Why the Cast Last Man. Man podcast has finished up, and we had a great interview with the showrunner talking about Season 2 Hopes. You should definitely check out. Also, Lock and Key Unlocked, our Lock and Key podcast, just finished up Season 2, and we also have an interview with Meredith Averill, the showrunner of that show, and that was also great. You should definitely listen to that. Star Guys, our Star Girl podcast, also finished season two of that. And Riverdale After Dark, our Riverdale podcast is revving up. It's coming back Ooh. next week. Next week? Leaving. So that should be very exciting. Patreon.com slash Comic Book Club to support this show and all the shows we do. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Leave us a question in the iTunes reviews at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, Comic Book Club Live.com. Until next time, good night. Take care, everybody. I just smile. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotion promotional offer not available in washington dc
brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 